Amen, everybody. I want to see you and not Mike. This guy right in front of me. I had to drop it down just a little bit. Amen? And thanks to the team for figuring out another way to put up our multimedia stuff where everybody on this side's not blocked by me, the podium, and everything else. So thanks, guys, for your creativity and persistence in coming up with great solutions. Faith! It's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. A little object lesson. I want everybody to stand up. Everybody, please stand up. Everybody, close your eyes. And I'm looking. I'm not closing mine, so I'm making sure you're all closing your eyes. Imagine. Take your hands off the uh, seats in front of you. Put them by your side. Imagine that you're standing at the precipice of your life. And there is a great cliff that you're standing on the edge of. And that feeling of vertigo that you get whenever you stand in front of a great height is coming over you. And on the other side is heaven. And in between is all of the sin that Satan has used to divide us from God. And he's told you that there's a way across. You can't see the way across. You can't even understand the way across. But imagine if you were told... You take a step 45 degrees to the right, there will be something under your foot that will be a way across the chasm. Some of you are going to be like, I wish I paid attention in geometry class and knew what 45 degrees was. But you would all be stepping out on faith. Take a moment to sit down again. I just wanted you to think about what that moment would feel like. All of us can relate to that feeling of standing in front of a great height and trying to, that feeling of vertigo that you get, and stepping out and trusting. You see, the ancients were commended. Their faith wasn't just something sedentary. Their faith was something that led to action, to motility, to taking steps of faith, to stepping out on faith, to trusting that the solution was there even when it wasn't even clear to them what the solution was. See, sometimes we think of faith as just something that we feel or believe, but it goes beyond that. It goes into understanding how is it that it drives our hearts? How is it that it drives our decisions? How is it that it drives the way we think and feel about life? And even what Paul shared about communion, it's awesome. The dream, because faith can lead to being able to dream, because you're trusting and God's got a plan. I don't just exist in the now. There's a direction. There's a goal. There's a purpose. And that God wants us in heaven is the goal and the purpose, right? It's all what it's about. In the end of the day, where does He want every single one of us? In heaven. You know, He wants us all to be saved. He wants us all to be right with Him. He wants us all to spend eternity with Him. He wants us all to enjoy and rejoice to be made perfect for all our weaknesses, all our tears, all our fears, all our sufferings, all our sorrows to be taken away. But you see, at the bottom of all of that, this takes a lot of faith, doesn't it? This isn't just a program. It isn't just check off everything. It takes a whole lot of faith. For me, Matthew 6.33 is something that stood out to me as meaning faith. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. 
in my spiritual life, there's been many times where I stood at that cliff and I had to decide to step out and trust that God had ground underneath it for me, that I wasn't going to be falling into a chasm, that I wasn't going to misstep, that I wasn't going to fall into nothingness, that God was going to support me and carry me through. And he has. But we have to all make those steps. Sometimes we're standing there and we're just afraid to take the step. We're so held in place by fear and uncertainty, which are the opposite of faith. We have to step out. We have to make those bold decisions. We have to act the way we know God is calling us to act. I want to encourage you guys. We are men and women that live. We're spiritual beings. The life that we live is not just in this plane of existence. There's a spiritual battle that's fought for our souls. Satan is out there acting against us. God and his angels and his Holy Spirit are acting on our behalf. But we have a role to play in all of this. Is How does our faith drive the way we're going to live? Because God can do a lot of things for you, but he can't make you do anything. He can't. He can create opportunities. He can create situations. He can create things that will be like, man, woo, woo, woo. That's the way to go. But you still got to go. He can't push a button on you to drive you into anything. So a couple of things that came out of Hebrews chapter 11 are things I wanted to share today that really jumped off the page at me, new insights, things that really led me up. The first thing is faith leads to first fruit sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 4, and we're going to look at verse 8. It says, By faith Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. Verse 8, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place that he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. He just went. Now, the first fruit sacrifices, I'm going to go back and read Genesis. I want you to know what it is. I'm not going to, some of this is going to be homework. Go back and read what was the first fruit sacrifice that Abel you know, offered that Cain didn't. But what it came down to was he didn't see how things were going to turn out. He offered the first harvest and offered it up. It said Cain, in the course of time, offered something. Basically, when things were starting to work out. See, for us, first fruit sacrifices are a product of faith. We don't hold back from God until we see how God does for us. Our heart is, man, he's already done everything. Jesus paid the price. And it was an amazingly hard price. Even to think about the crucifixion as the most horrible and horrific way to die. You know, I feel like God was even working with what he picked out. There was no collusion. Me and Paul didn't like checking in each other. But it was like God just bringing an idea. The hardest way to die. He's already made that sacrifice for you and me. So what else are we going to be waiting for to see what more could he do? He's, if he's done that, what else can he not do? What else will he not do? But those first fruit sacrifices, you know, are so awesome. Because there's so many in here that you are making those kinds of first fruit sacrifices. When I, I think of the way we operate here and work as a body of Christ. The, the individuals who are downstairs teaching our kids, and those of you who have taught in the, in the other rotations, the people that come here early to set up, the guys and sisters who usher, 
those who help to count our contribution, the chemical recovery group that goes on every single Saturday evening right here, the, the singing team that meets every Thursday to practice and gets here early to rehearse the songs, Everyone who's preached, Robert, anyone who's preached to done communion, welcome any part of the service. Because they come in here giving their whole hearts. People that serve in hope and, and meet the needs of the poor that way. Those that are at, were at camp last week and are at camp this week. That's awesome, right? What, what, what drives that? That's the first fruit sacrifices. That's like, I just want to do whatever I can to build up God's kingdom, to encourage the saints, to help other people know what we know. You know, and if you're visiting today and you're like wondering, what's he talking about? Get to know what I'm talking about because you'll see the hearts and minds of the brothers and sisters in the fellowship that that's the way we all want to be. We don't want to be, let me just see what happens. I'm just going to stand back here. I want to be out here. I want to be right in the mix. I want to be right in the center of things, right? I want to commend everybody who does any of those things because it's a heart and soul commitment to God that drives those kinds of first fruit sacrifices. It's such a joyous and great attitude that we even have here in the fellowship. Last midweek when everyone was together and the brothers and sisters that either learned something from Reach Online or were able to actually attend Reach got up here to share, right? And they couldn't stay. I said two minutes. They couldn't do two minutes. Some of them went way longer than two minutes. But it was awesome. Someone else was like, Kevin, get out the cane. Pull him off, you know. But I'm like, it's just encouraging. And if you still want to share, share in the fellowship about something. You know, don't just hold back. Uh, the edge service, I heard it was awesome. And our edge ministry was dynamic. You know, our fellowship here, on our men's midweek, it's like an hour into the fellowship. And brothers are still talking and digging into the things they're getting out of the classes. That's deep. I know the same sort of fellowships going on here after church. That's all part of what we need to be so excited about, the way we are as brothers and sisters in our fellowship. Amen? And if you realize you haven't been given those first fruit sacrifices, and you're walking around with a downcast visage, and you're walking around wondering, what is he talking about? Well, God addressed that with Cain. Cain said, man, why, God said, why is your face downcast? He said, the, the devil's at your door. He, he desires to have you, but you must master him. We, we, it's a spiritual battle. If you don't understand what I'm talking about, it's because God would call you, repent. Embrace the thing that you're feeling the call to do. Second thing is, faith rejuvenates the body. Woohoo! Rejuvenates the body, right? At one point, we'll be made new, we'll be made imperishable, we'll be powerful, we'll be just amazingly put together. You guys are wondering, man, things don't work like they used to. I keep extolling the amazing benefits of glucosamine and what it does for sore joints. Some of you guys think, he's the preacher of glucosamine. Hey, it helped me. My sore joints are gone. But at some point, even that's not going to help me, right? some point, it's just going to go back. Because we're not meant to live forever in these physical bodies. We do have an eternal soul. And we are going to be made new again. But faith does rejuvenate the body. Look, in, look, even in this life, faith can rejuvenate our body. Hebrews 11, verse 11. says there, By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was what? Barren. 
was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. Look at the phrases. Past age, as good as dead, barren. Are these the words of fruitful productivity in your life? If they tell you, you are past age, okay, you're as good as dead, you're barren, you're like, wow. But see, what were those? Those were the facts, right? But the facts don't drive the reality of what God can do. See, he considered him faithful who made the promise. Who cares what the facts are? The reality is, what's God still going to do in those amazing ways through you? Because think of the things that we've come through to become Christians. Some of us, if our life was put up there, we would want Jesus up there instead. Because before becoming a Christian, our life was horrible. But yet we've been forgiven. Some of us never thought we could do anything like this. I tell you, my first attempt at public speaking was a disaster. I thought I'd never do anything like this. After that first attempt, the English teacher in that class never asked me to speak again. That's how bad it was. He's like, I don't want to put him through it or anybody else through it. But God can do it. And even in the church, even in you, I can't, maybe, could God help me make, help someone to become a Christian? Yes, he could. Could God help me really overcome something in my life? Yes, he can. Can God help me to really become rejuvenated and energized and not torn down and beat up by life? Yes, he can. And we need to be understanding, there's no retirement age in the kingdom of God. No, there's a Sabbath rest for God's people. Where's that? Heaven. Okay? There's no retirement age. Can't say, I've done this long enough. I I need a break. God may redirect your steps, but you need to know that we're never going to stop living for Christ. And He may open up new doors. He may close some doors. He may knock you on your keister. Sometimes we need to be knocked down just to get down on our knees and get humble. Sometimes we've been humbled, but that still doesn't mean we give up. I, I've been humbled. I've eaten humble pie. But, you know, you get asked to serve as an elder. I started studying all the scriptures on pride. Because what do you start feeling like? I know everything. And then so many times you was like, man, you're acting like a know-it-all, Mr. Elder Know-it-all. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't want pride to rear its ugly head in my life. But sometimes you get knocked on your keister. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But it's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean God's mad at you. He's just like, just back up, Jack. Let me give you a little chest bump. Let me give you a little bump check. Yeah? Just humble out. Brothers and sisters can even serve to rejuvenate you and encourage you. Uh, the, the brother that studied the Bible with me and that actually invited us to go to Africa, he's actually getting restored down in the church in Athens today. Which is awesome. Amen? And he was gone for like 10 years. I stayed in there with him, encouraging him as did other brothers. But as I reflected on it, I realized I need to reflect on what he did for me. Because he he believed in me when I was a knucklehead. When I didn't want to have anything to do with God, he stayed my friend. He believed in me and said, maybe you'd be good with that Andy person. And he introduced us. And his wife extolled all my virtues to her. And he, look how handy he is. He can put up coffee makers and everything else under the sun. 
And even when we were asked to not serve full-time with the church and to come out of the, that role of interns, in our engagement, which he asked us to go to Africa and gave us a dream. Brothers, we need to give dreams to the brothers around us. And if someone's trying to give you a dream, you need to take the dream because it rejuvenates you. If I had not been offered that, who knows where my life would have gone? Who knows the experiences I would not have had? We would, as men and women, we need to take on to the dreams that even others are sharing for us because it can rejuvenate you. Romans chapter 4, verse 19, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Face the facts, right? But God is our God who transforms us into his likeness. A couple of examples of old people doing awesome things. Japanese mountain climber Yuchihiro Muira reached the summit of Mount Everest at age 70. George Brunstad was also 70 when he swam the English Channel. Naval officer Grace Hopper became the first female rear admiral of the United States Navy when she was 79. Margaret Haggerty completed her quest to run a marathon on each of the seven continents when she was 84. Okay? I don't think anybody in here is 84. Some of us might feel like it, right? Ever feel like that at the end of the day? I'm 99. I'm not aging 99 or aging 86 like and get smart, but I'm 99. I'm, I'm tired. But see, God rejuvenates us. And these are stories of people. It wasn't about faith. It's just mundane stories of amazing things that were done by people who are past the age of most of us. What more can God do with us? We need to believe God has the ability to build us up and use us beyond even ourselves. I'm encouraged, this, as even being here, there's all these new different things that have to happen. Like Jeff and Geneva, they're here pretty much early, putting up signs all over the place. They just like, I want to do it. Because being here, it's great, right? But you want to have signs outside so people know that it's us in here, right? These guys get here early to put up the signs. Uh, the Father's Day, Andrew and Amayo, I, I started thinking about Father's Day. They'd have been thinking about it for a whole month. And they were like, and they took care of it. You know, the singer's hearts, they're up here singing, but they're willing to go and even serve a rotation in the children's ministry in addition to the rehearsing that they're doing because it's a need right now. Think about the Women's Day that you guys had. That was a, an effort put together by the many different people who just rose up to the situation. We're going to make it awesome. You know, Robert and the series that he did for us, wasn't it awesome? So much wisdom. I feel like it shows, man, God's Bible has so many answers that we haven't even found out yet. But the wisdom that's in there is amazing and the enlightenment that it gives you. But that's a lot of work to put that together and to preach it and to organize it. But he did it for us. Do you understand what I'm saying? And the same way that all of us here serve that sort of heart, it's a rejuvenation. It's not saying I'm old, I'm tired, I'm done, I've done this long enough. When's someone else going to do it? I'm tired of what I'm doing. Who else is going to do Look, let's just be joyous servants, right? we just be happy to be at the doorpost of the Lord. We shouldn't have any expectations. We're, we're just humble servants, right? We need, but we need to be rejuvenated. Um, next thing is, faith produces a longing for heaven. Because, guys, heaven is awesome, Right? We get to do everything. McCall used to have her vision of heaven, the room. Her room, 
Kids, when they dream, how many walls are in a room typically? Four, right? Why? Why are there four walls in a room? Because it's what we've always seen. Her room had like six walls. And they weren't even walls. You know what they were? They were portals to things. Where her horses were going to be. Where the beach was going to be. Where the mountains were going to be. Where the ocean... I mean, it's literally, she used to tell us her vision of the room that God had prepared for us. And she'd be like, when is he coming? Why can't we go? And this is when she's like nine. And I'm like, I'd like to see you grow up. But on the other hand, I'm like, man, she's right with God. So that'd be awesome. Do you know what I'm saying? But see, faith creates a longing for home. And home is heaven. But see, sometimes we lose sight of the really eternal things. And we pay way too much attention to the here and now. And we don't really pay attention to what's really going to matter. What's really going to matter? That we're right with God. That we're sins are forgiven. That we're in the light. That we're part of the fellowship of the saints. Right? That we're rejuvenated. That we're born again. That our sins are cut away. That we're clothed in Christ. That we're new creations. That we're part of the royal priesthood. That's what really matters. Hebrews 11, verse 13. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on earth. People who say such things show they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, a.k.a. the world, right? They would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So much of the Old Testament is a foreshadowing of the spiritual realities of our life. There were aliens and strangers in the world. We are aliens and strangers in the world, right? we got to realize we don't need to long for what's here. We need to long for the next life. You know, do your best with everything you have here. But don't make this your longing. Don't make this your passion. Don't make this your end-all and be-all of existence. If I had that 8-foot television, 4K, 5K, 6K, virtual reality, you know. So what? It can be fun, but is it going to matter? You're not able to turn that in. God, you want a 6K TV? Let me in. He goes, I got ultimate reality, you know. You know, when we're young, how many of you guys, when you were young, felt like you were immortal? Right? We know we do. We really... I did things that I think of now. I'm like, I should be dead. I should be dead. And when you're young, you think you're immortal. But then you get into your 40s and 50s, and things, your shoulder don't work, and your, your knee don't work, and your neck doesn't work, and your eyes... Man, I need longer arms now because my eyes are stopping to work the way they need to. With that darn little tiny seven-point font on things, you know. But we start realizing we are not immortal. We feel very mortal. But we need to realize that we have a great existence in heaven. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse Therefore, we do not lose heart. 
though outwardly we are wasting away. Sorry, guys, we are wasting away. Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Paul, the apostle, wrote this. There are many times that he was broke, busted, and probably disgusted with the reaction of people, right? But the reason he was broke, busted, and sometimes he was broken by the actions of people. He was busted up in stonings and in floggings. And he was disgusted with Satan's schemes that would turn around an opportunity for him to share his faith into him being in jail or flogged or stoned or chased out of a city. But he knew what he was really all about. Did he ever give up? Did he ever get fed up? See, he knew, I'm on a spiritual battle. I want to save as many as possible. And I'm not going to give up for myself no matter how hard it gets. Because his aim was heaven. That was him that wrote this in 2 Corinthians. We don't lose heart. These momentary problems are light. Even though heavy are they are, he's not making little of our struggles. Corinth was a struggling place. But he's saying in relationship to eternity, they are light and momentary. The next thing is, faith brings transformation. And the character of Moses. And transformation is becoming who God meant you to be and not what the world has done to you. We get to a certain place in our life and the world has done to us what it's going to do. But the transformation of Christ is becoming what God envisions you being. Look in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God, rather to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt, because he was not, I'm sorry, he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, so the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. That's intense, right? Because think about it, being the Pharaoh's son. And again, if you don't know what this is talking about, go read Genesis and read about Moses. It's another homework assignment. I can't go into it all here right now, but you need to know it. Because sometimes we've taken for granted everything we've read in the Bible, and you haven't read it lately, and you're forgetting how awesome God's Word is in the ways that He works in crazy ways. Because Moses' existence in itself is a miracle. A miracle of conviction on the part of his parents, and a miracle of salvation on the way God used Pharaoh to save Moses. It's intense. Go read it. You'll love it. So, but trying to fit into the world around you can seem to be the plan. It can feel comfortable. It can even seem to make sense. He's a Pharaoh's son. Imagine if he didn't dissociate himself. Well, if I remain the Pharaoh's son, I could sort of change things for the Israelites. I could make their life a little bit better. God wasn't about making their life a little bit better. He was about freeing them, taking them to the promised land. 
You see, for us, we can't be one foot here and one foot there. Let me be a little bit worldly, because maybe I can do some good in that little... No! We need to be transformed. The world has made us into certain things before we became Christians. And those of us who are visiting here and studying the Bible, God is trying to transform you. God is trying to give you a vision for what He's meant your life to be like. From moving forward, from here on, what can it be like? What can God really do with you? Moses had to come to a decision, right? We have to make that kind of decision. We have to embrace the reality. You know, Moses knew he had to make a choice, right? And it says he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of Israel. I'm so encouraged. There are people here today who are refusing to be boxed in by the world. They're into the Bible. They're getting to see God's truth for them. They're getting to see God's plan. And they're interested. And they want to know. And they're searching it out. And they're learning. And it's scary. You think Moses' decision was easy? How many think Moses' decision was easy? It was hard. Faith, right? Faith. Even now, it's a hard decision. I'm not going to deny it. It was the hardest decision I ever had to make. You know? And most of us don't even hold the position as good as Pharaoh's, uh, being the son of Pharaoh's daughter, right? So what are you holding on to? You know what I'm saying? Romans 12, verse 2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Word of God is to deliver truth into your heart and into your mind to refresh your understanding of the way things really are. The world tells you the way things really are. You're getting the world 24-7. You need to get some God in your heart every single day through the Word, through fellowship, through prayer. It will build up your faith. It will allow you to be transformed. So then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good pleasing and perfect will, right? So they're letting God's truth into their hearts. The people here, they're studying the word, they're letting God's truth into their hearts. Satan is the accuser. He doesn't want you to believe the truth. Don't believe his lies. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, God has already defeated him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses him before them, our God, day and night, has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So who's paid the price already? Jesus, right? He's been hurled down. Satan's been defeated. Psalm 119, verse 130 says, The unfolding of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. So sometimes, you know the answer is Jesus. But you know what? You've got to get into the Word to get better understanding. The unfolding of your Word gives light. See, sometimes people understand that, what Jesus did, but it's great to see more and build up your understanding and to have a direction for your life. Rahab was transformed. Rahab, Hebrews 11, verse 31. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she was welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Imagine, what was her occupation before the Israelites came? She was a prostitute. 
She welcomed them in. The people of Jericho knew about the Israelites. They had sealed up the city and everything, right? They knew what was coming. And she knew what was coming. And she's like, time to change. See, for us, we can be changed. But sometimes we've got to face the reality of it. It's time to change. She faced the reality. She didn't care what her life had been like to that point. I'm going to be different. I'm going to welcome God's people into my home. I'm going to save my family. And I'm going to make some great decisions that are going to be awesome for me and mine. See, some of us, we're too tied to what we've done and realize we, we think that's our anchor. In Christ, the chain to that anchor is cut. You don't need to be anchored by your past anymore, by anything that's happened. That can all fall away. She didn't let it dis- d- define her. You know, Some here today are welcoming brand new people into their homes and letting them study the Bible with them and getting them to know the embarrassing things about their life and not letting it hold them back. That's what Rahab was like. She couldn't hide. They showed up. She let them in. It was a brothel. She couldn't hide her stuff. She didn't care. That's not going to be me anymore. I'm going to be one of God's people. I'm going to be saved. You know, there's a little story here um, from C.S. Lewis. If we could bring it up. The next one. So faith brings transformation. So in this story, the men are us. The creatures and animals are Aslans, which are Jesus' servants, and which are basically angels. And they're so excited for the... Uh, to see the worldly enchantment removed from the man. For now they saw the prince, which would be any one of us. No one doubted for a moment who he was. There were plenty of beasts and dryads and dwarfs and fawns who remembered him from the days before his enchanting. There were some old ones who could remember him now, how his father, the King Caspian, had looked when he was a young man and saw the likeness. But I think they would have known him anyway. Pale though he was from his long imprisonment in the deep lands, dressed in black, dusty, disheveled, and weary, there was something in his face and air which no one could mistake. That look in his face of all the true kings of Narnia, who rule by the will of Aslan, which is Jesus, and sit at the care of Perovel on the throne of Peter the High King. Instantly, every head was bared and every knee was bent. These are the angels because they're rejoicing. A moment later, such cheering and shouting, such jumps and reels of joy, such handshaking and kissings and embracings of everybody by everybody else broke out that the tears came into Jill's eyes. Their quest had been worth all the pains that it cost. That's how the angels feel at our repentance. All the battles, all the struggles, all the sacrifice, all the suffering, because they do battle with the demons. And it's hard. It's not like, oh, you know, it's a serious battle. And they, they're sacrificing for us. They're going to rejoice when we're saved. Amen? You find it hard to believe this? Some will. And it is. If you haven't been in the Word of God, last scripture, Romans 10, verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Too many places, churches, they don't even get you to read your Bible. We're going to tell you, read your Bible. Read it a lot. Study everything. we got no agenda. We're just teaching God's word. The more you read, the more it's going to make sense. The more you read, what you're being taught is going to be affirmed. That was what happened to me. I studied, came out to church, like, man, they're just cherry-picking scriptures to teach what they want. And I started reading the Bible, like, Dad, 
It's all over the place. And I'm like, then they're living a life. So that excuse is gone. And finally, I got to the point where I was like, I'm either going to go all in or stop saying I believe in God. Because it was that clear to me that I, I couldn't stay in the middle anymore. So if this seems too hard for you, I got a solution. Read your Bible. Build your faith. Read it more. If it still seems too hard, read it more. If it still seems too hard, maybe you've got to root some sin out of your life, that those hard rocks are there, and you're not you're getting, reading all the Bible. You can't, but sometimes you've got to root out the sin, like the paths. So, so you've got to be vulnerable, too, and get help. Because when I was ready, I went I turned myself in, and that rejoicing that was going on in that little story, that was Steve Johnson, Mike Tolliver, Dave Peden. They were up on the roof of Steve's building, and they were all like, praise God, hallelujah, because they didn't... I kept coming to Bible talk because it was in my house. I had no place else to go but the Bible talk. But I had stopped studying the Bible. But God was studying the Bible with me on my own. Some of you guys are getting God's word all kinds of ways beyond what the Christians are showing you. Because God's not, he's not letting go. We need his word. So build up your faith. Because faith is an amazing thing. Amen? Amen. Thank you.